Hello and welcome to the Anarchy Ball Podcast. This is your host. I'm going to do a solo episode this week. I haven't done one in a while. I'm going to give it a shot. I think um, I'm going to do a short magical ritual next episode. This episode is coming very late because the last one I did in a stairwell while I was at work. And it didn't come through well. It, it had a very bad delay problem. And it also had several other issues. So, I want to apologize to my guest last time. Um, hopefully, we can get it working better once I get better equipment. As it is now, I've got shit equipment. So, um... Uh, Let's uh, let's get started. I had some issues with the election. <laughs> the election was a shit show. And I don't know if I want to completely focus on the election. I want to focus on magic. Right? But the magic of the election is very, very plain to see. We're going to ignore all of the elements of fraud, the clear present elements of fraud, right? We're going to focus on some of the, you know, some of the um, lesser elements that, uh, that are occurring, right? So the clear evidence of fraud is the Postal Service, right? We know what that is. That's, the Postal Service has always been like a stronghold for Democrats and Democrat sympathy. I think um, it seems like uh, the Postal Service and pretty much all federal agencies that employ a lot of people all go Democrat. And it makes sense. They're all part of the institution. Right. And they don't necessarily know what's best for them, but they do know that having a Democrat will mean more money. Right. So I don't see anybody in the Postal Service coming out supporting Donald Trump overtly. There are some contractors who do, right? That's important. But clearly, voting by mail is going to go Democrat because they have all of the screens that you would need to hide anything passing through there. What is lesser known is the military-industrial complex contractors who make the program that the uh, voting systems are all run off of. Now, that's important because I think no matter where the Postal Service lies, if you've got a Democrat that represents one thing or another that, that brings in a whole bunch of people on that ticket on representing a certain group, maybe they're a little bit less uh, against war from time to time. Uh, a little bit more for war from time to time, but basically it becomes harder and harder to manage that. So you've got to have the military contractors running the show over there. And if you look up the CEO of the voting systems, the Dominion voting systems, you'll find that he's a member, a former service person in the Coast Guard, right? And a lot of people focus on this Venezuela aspect. That's not important because the CEO 
of the company comes from the U.S. military, comes from the Coast Guard. I think that's far more important to look at. When we take the Dominion aspect of it, it seems like there's really no way for Trump to win. There's really no way because the military-industrial complex has run the Trump administration through his Israeli connections, this whole Something very important to realize because we haven't seen any real pullout from these wars that he says he wants to pull us out from. Because Israel is on the side of continuing those wars. They are in their benefit. They can run us dry while running these wars from the lobbyist angle and the military contractor angle. Right now, if if we're going to break that down into a magical formula, which I think is important, we're going to have to see what APAC actually does, right? Because APAC would be the forerunner of all of this stuff, and APAC doesn't have to do much. In fact, the less they do, the better. Machiavelli was very clear on when to use power and when not to use power. And power being a magical spell, a magical ritual. He would say that the more power you have, the less you do. And this is why so many ANCAPs are starting to go over to the Machiavellian side. It's because they realize that there's something valuable there. Something magical, right? Because APAC very rarely ever makes any suggestions, but they have the uh, the pull to make people believe they have more power than they might actually have. So you go and you speak at the APAC events as a way of presenting your behind to, to Israel and the Israeli lobby. They don't have to do much after that point, you're proposing things to them and you're saying, yes, we'll take that, we'll take that, we'll take that. If you have all the power, you want it to work like a buffet, right? You want to be able to stare stone-faced at, what, at what's being offered to you and picking the most valuable things without having to make any commitments in that direction, right? That's the, the APAC model. Right? So, when it comes to military contracting and voter fraud, I think that's far more important. And that's, that's the aspect that the Trump administration sort of left off. He's left that to the private actors, right? Because the private actors have, I guess, a loyalty to Israel. They're not going to go too far into the Israeli links. But the fact of the matter is, Ghislaine Maxwell's sister is heavily involved in the process of uh, getting these voting machines out there, sold to governments around the world. Ghislaine Maxwell, the Maxwell family, were caught doing the business for Israel. This is the Israeli connection for Jeffrey Epstein. In other words, the roots of this thing go straight into the heart of the wars, the heart of uh, 
Israeli Zionism. It goes to the places that cannot be touched politically. Politically, you cannot do anything officially against this faction. So he's decided to instead focus on the Democratic wing, the, the mail-in votes. That's his main focus. Granted, there's probably a lot of mail-in voter fraud. The combination of mail-in voter fraud and deep state military contractor activity with uh, programming these machines is what put Biden over the top. But he can't go for the other half because that's the Sheldon Adelson brand that he is opposing. And Sheldon Adelson is the main funder of all of the Republican candidates in the off-season elections as well as you know, very local games. Now, Sheldon Adelson knows how to do this, right? TPUSA, all the rest of this stuff. He knows how to get the message out there without jeopardizing Trump as a, you know, millionaire, billionaire, whatever. So Trump always defers to Sheldon Adelson's wing of the Republican Party. Sheldon Adelson himself is not necessarily a Republican. He can go either way. But since he has Donald Trump on the hook, he'll go Republican. Why is any of this important when you're a voluntarist, when you are anti-voting? Well, it's an incredible recruitment opportunity. This reveals to the public exactly how pointless it is to vote. No matter what happens, there are going to be vested interests that can counter votes however they want to. And a good person to look at is um, Dr. Shiva. Uh, let me look up his name. Dr. Shiva um, is a MIT professor, right? Um, and he, well, he's a MIT doctorate, right? And he was sort of robbed of his own election in Massachusetts. When he was running for uh, senator, okay? Dr. Shiva Ayadorai, Ayadori. Right? He is an Indian entrepreneur, uh, scientist, engineer, politician, and they say he's uh, full of conspiracy theories. Now, all he's doing is taking a look at the the model, right? The model says this is the predictable results. This is what you got. And from that model, he says, okay, how do I program a machine to do the same thing? When you program a machine to do that same thing, it comes up with, um, a very simple tactic, which is for every one vote, a percentage goes to the other guy. So if you've got a really close election, you're going to want to program that machine to say for every one vote for Trump, uh, a 0.05 vote goes to Biden. And so at the end, when you rectify it and you print it out, 
you've got to eliminate the decimal points and your result is the um, you know the uh, the election going towards Biden. That would be the method the electronic voting uses to fix an election. Now with the more standard mail-in voting, it's just all you have to do is you know stuff the ballot boxes. The classical form of voter fraud is just stuffing the ballot boxes. So any way you can create a fraudulent ballot, you do that, and then it comes through, and now you have to sort through all the fraudulent stuff to get to the legitimate stuff, which means you've created a bullshit tax on anybody who's invested it. <clears throat> the problem is, is now in the modern times, as long as COVID is in place, one party, one wing of the political power structure has all of the power because you don't have the lust for war on the right under Donald Trump. And on the left, you have no interest whatsoever in fairness anymore. They just want to win. They just want to kill. Kill, kill, kill. That's the whole point of the Democrats today. And it's very interesting that um, such is the case, but it's not unexpected, right? When you see Democrats not willing to even look at information that you're presenting them, it's because they don't believe it's coming from their side, right? Because their side is all that matters. And when you present certain things to Republicans, you sort of get that same response when a Republican is on the roll or not. Republicans are highly, highly suggestible through the punditry class. That's, that's what they've learned since Clinton, right? Since the emergence of the um, Rush Limbaugh-type talk radio movement is that we take our information from pundits. The pundits tell us who we can and cannot support. And so the politicians court the pundits, the pundits court the politicians, and then together they've been able to completely erase the original intent behind the Republican Party, right? The, the pundit class starts to see a trend emerge in the, the, voting, the Republican voting base, right? When they see that trend emerge, they want to outcompete the other Republican pundits, right? So let's use uh, Alex Jones as an example. Alex Jones was not originally a Republican pundit, but he has emerged as one of the most dominant Republican pundits because whoever can court the Alex Jones audience seems to get the most traction online. Therefore, you have phenomena like Trump. Right? If it was up to the standard conservative Republican punditry, Trump wouldn't even be in the running. Right? He's just too controversial. They need something more clean cut to get that minimal voter base to give the Republicans a respectable loss. That's really all they're interested in. A respectable loss gives the punditry a four-year span to... Um, to space out their ability to grift the Republican base. 
that's just how it works. Well, Trump, <clears throat> Trump basically has to put them into overdrive. Their uh, respectable losses turn into major losses. Their uh, wins turn into something that they can't manage as well, right? So now the punditry class is going to have to deal with several Trump-like candidates in the future, and I don't think, at their heart of hearts, the punditry class on the uh, political right is happy about that. They don't want to have to support firebrands every single time. The problem is the Democrats have really left them no choice. Now, this gives a tremendous opportunity to voluntarists and uh, libertarians Right, because let's face it, uh, Ron Paul kind of shifted that weight towards the Alex Jones type pundit because Ron Paul was on Alex Jones pretty much every week in 2008-2012. He was just always on there. He had picked his pundit, right, and by doing so, it kind of soured the great big apple of um, political punditry, which is uh, military contracting, right? Because, you know, Ron Paul is the enemy of military contracting. So, let's go back into why this matters for libertarians and voluntarists. You can run as a pure, honest, 100% unscrupulous politician now. In 2020, you can get out there and say, I'm not going to lie to you. I am going to screw you over the first chance I get so that I can acquire more power. Right? This is the attraction to Machiavellianism from an anarchist, right? Because what you're doing with your message is you're exposing the entire political establishment and even gaining some traction among the Trump crowd simply by stating the facts of the matter. Everybody else is lying. I'm telling you the truth. The truth is every politician will betray you, even me, and you're still go going to vote for me because your hatred of the political establishment can flow through me. I'm going to be seeking more power. I'm going to be taking that power away from the politicians that you would have trusted. I understand that politics is a zero-sum game. Economics is not. In politics, the only way you have any power is if someone has ceded or I've taken it from someone else. If I seek all of that power, I will deprive your worst enemies from acquiring it. This is an interesting spot to be in. This brings me back to magic. Power is a magic spell. When you've convinced a portion of the population to cede their power over to a political candidate, it becomes behooved of the opponent to now either try to go to war with that faction verbally or 
to start changing their opinions to make themselves more palatable to that faction. So, if you are a good Machiavellian, you can change the course of an election just by who you are as an individual. Kind of an important thing. Now, a lot of uh, ANCAPs are anti-voting, and they would see a Machiavellian run as a uh, naked and open aggression through the political process against the NAP. And since they live by the NAP, they expect everyone else to live by the NAP. Well, when you're at war, the NAP is not present unless this is the this is the way you try to diffuse any support for the opposing side. For instance, if you're at war and you've bombed a barracks, what you would do to diffuse any sort of propaganda victory for the other side would be to send checks to all of the soldiers who were in that barrack. Um, you would send checks to their families for all of the ones who have died. And you'd say, we really didn't want to do this, but we had to do it because you were being naked and open aggressors against us. In so doing, you've made the families of the people that you've killed the enemies of the state. They can't use them as their propaganda victory if a check shows up in the mail the same day that you've killed a bunch of soldiers. This is important when you're dealing with anarcho-capitalism as a functional uh, zone, right? So if a state military is encroaching on your on your contractual zone where people have all signed into it, any attacks that you would make would have to be compensated as soon as you make the attack. And in so doing, you've taken all of the steam out of the propaganda of the opposing side. Now, states cannot do that because they have to say the people we killed deserved it and they all deserve to die. These are the enemy. You have to get ready. You have to be conscripted. And the only way you can conscript people is through the process of othering the nation that you're trying to invade or the nation that is quote-unquote invading you. No such regulation exists when you're talking about an anarcho-capitalist zone, right? You can do any sort of financial magic you want to do against the enemy forces to cut the legs off of their propaganda victories, right? So, what do you do when you're battling a state from within a state? Well, you have to make the argument that you're the only honest person, and the only honest person is the most evil person in the race. It creates a cognitive dissonance that starts to create ripples, especially if you've got it going on in more than one place. If you're the most evil person and the most honest person, are you going to choose a less evil, dishonest person? The only options are to ignore that person or 
you know, not face reality or to discredit that person as being the most honest. Because in a moral construct, honesty is very important, especially in a complex culture that we live in today. If you are the most honest and most evil, there's a problem with the system itself, and you can lead people to that, that goal. So Donald Trump being unscrupulous could lead a generation of underdogs to undermining the entire integrity of the election by being the most honest and the most evil. That's something we couldn't do before Trump because everybody believed that if you said or did the wrong thing, you would never get elected. Well, Donald Trump said and did the wrong things and he got elected. So it's time to use that. That's your momentum. That's what's going to cause them to lose their fucking minds. And that's what they did under Trump, is they lost the pundit class on in the center-left, lost their fucking minds. So how do we undermine the voting system to start using this to our advantage? I, I would say just be honest about it. Right? I'm going to try and manipulate the vote. And if they try to arrest you, you have to say, well, look, all these other cases are here. The affidavits are in print. You guys never did anything about this stuff. How can you arrest me for saying I want to manipulate the vote versus these people who did manipulate the vote and you did nothing to them? It starts to create a conflict. You want to spread that feeling of cognitive dissonance, right? It takes putting your body on the line, and libertarians aren't necessarily too good at that, you know? We don't really have that killer instinct, right? The killer instinct says, I'm going to rush in Jaws first and come out with whatever I can grab. The libertarian instinct is, is I'm going to try and explain this to my constituency. If you have to explain it to your constituency, you've already lost, Politics is a feeling. That's all it's ever been. Right? And this goes back to the Machiavellian concept. All of this stuff is based around the emotions of the people involved. That if you're not maximizing the effect of the emotions of the people involved, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. How do you manipulate motion, emotions the most effectively? You should know already, it's magic. Magic. You have to find the right spell. Spell. What does spell mean? It means the same thing as spelling a word. Right? Spelling a word and casting a spell are essentially the same. You have to know the rules, which would be the grammar, right? If you know about the trivium, you know about casting a spell. Because essentially, the trivium tells you the ways of making things that apply to the human consciousness. Right? So, let's give her a go. How would I craft a spell? First thing I would do is to get into the cosmological construct of my target. Right? 
Because what I'm doing is I'm creating a a similarity, right? When you're creating a similarity, two parallel lines, you're saying both moving in the same direction. If I move in the same direction as your cosmology, I can start to affect what happens over on your line. Two parallel lines. Let's, let's say two trains on parallel train tracks, right? I can have a greater effect on that other train if I'm traveling at the same speed and direction as the train next to me, right? Now, how that works is the principle of vibration, right? The principle of vibration would say, well, once I've established the cosmology with my target, I'm going to create a resonance field, right? Take a, a tuning fork, right? And you hit the right frequency, you can shatter a glass. This is that dirty, dirty magic, right? So if I'm casting the COVID spell, what I want to do is I want to find who do people trust the most in society. I'm going to have my train travel at the same direction and distance as that train. Who do they trust the most? Doctors. Doctors in their white lab coats telling me what to do for my health. All right, I've got a spell right there. I'm going to spell it out. I'm going to change the power structure just by knowing the cosmology, the direction, and speed of your train. So let's say um, the direction and speed is Trump. Trump is the direction, right? That's what all these Trumpers want is that same strong man sort of figure. And the speed of it would be um, the, the enemy you're facing, right? So you're going to have to channel the Trump energy, channel the, um, the, the enemy, right? You have to be able to correctly identify the enemy. And then you're there. You're traveling at speed, and you're going in the same direction, as your target, as the you know the, the place that you want to cast your spell. Now, uh, Trump was not as Machiavellian as his supporters wanted him to be, so you essentially can have more power in that direction by channeling that Machiavellian energy. They wanted him to be more um, authoritarian. If you're honest about that authoritarianism and you're focusing your authoritarianism on those who oppose you, you not only gain more traction, right, but you don't have to be violating the NAP. If your goal is to take as much power into yourself as possible, sort of like a bullet traveling through a a vest, right, as the power is pushing through, it's diffusing more and more across the, the, um, the actual plate itself. What you're doing is you're saying, look, fire me into the vest. I might not get it done, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sure as hell take away the uh, integrity of that structure, right? And no doubt Donald Trump took away the integrity of the structure that was 
you know, supporting the political machine, right? He did that. Whether you like or you hate him, you have to admit, he took away some of the integrity of the political structure. Kind of important. So if we want to travel in that direction, we're going to have to cast our spells in that direction. We're going to have to understand the PR. We're going to have to understand the, the right phrases, the right words to use to conjure up the feeling of Trump. Now, one of the major um, issues the, the media has with the Trump phenomenon is he made his supporters feel like winners. You can't say the same thing about Bush, right? No matter what Bush said, no matter how many banners he hung, he stopped making people feel like winners very shortly after 9-11. They voted for him again in 2004 because he made them feel afraid. Right? The Trump supporters voted for him again in 2020 because he made them feel like winners. Now, this winner concept is a very powerful one. If you can channel it, right, this would be one of the resonance frequencies, right? So you're on your train, you're traveling next to the Trump train, and you're hitting that bell, right? I'm a winner. I'm a winner. I'm a winner. Everybody who hates me is a fucking loser. You get that resonance effect, right? And eventually, what you're going to find is that you reach that critical mass point. When you reach that critical mass point, it's it's very important for you to close the circle. What is closing the circle in terms of politics? Means following fucking through, right? One of the reasons why Trump didn't get the big landslide victory he was expecting is because he, he followed through on very few things. You can see a lot of of places where the right-wing support went to Joe Jorgensen. And let's face it, if he'd have followed through on a lot more stuff, they would have been fucking Trump supporters. But since he decided to go ahead and ban bump stocks, since he decided to go ahead and go back on some of his promises about being the most pro-gun president ever, a lot of people went with Joe Jorgensen. If it wasn't for that, who knows? I'm certainly not saying that all those libertarian voters would have would have uh, voted for Trump, but I guarantee you some of those libertarian voters were Trump supporters, right? Joe Jorgensen didn't run the most successful of campaigns. She did. She barely had a spell, right? Barely. What she was trying to do is appeal to the vague notion of liberty. That's never worked for libertarians. You have to have a platform. The libertarian platform is like 64 planks long. People don't even want to read it. You have to have something more emotionally connecting to people. Because as we've seen in 2020, facts don't matter, only emotions. So... Just a few things to keep in mind if you want to avoid the problems of previous Republicans 
and libertarians, you have to make an emotional message. You have to cast the fucking spell. If you don't want to take the political angle on your on your shit and you want to do something else, do something different, I would say that if you're trying to start a business venture and your PR and your marketing channels and, and takes root in the idea that we can be winners, we can be winners if we just connect with this product, if we just connect on this platform, we can be winners. You're going to find that your sales go up a lot. And if you actually deliver on those promises, you're going to find that you can harness the movement outside of the political sphere. You can actually have that market success and use that market hammer to smash the political establishment. But, The spell is the same nonetheless. Whether it's political or it's market-driven, the spell is the same. In the results column, right? The results column, we've got economics over here, which is not a zero-sum game, right? We all accept that. And politics over here, which is a zero-sum game. Which is more important to you? Where do you find your value? I want you to ask yourself that because that's up to you. I'm not going to tell you that the political realm is completely off limits because we believe in a certain principle because that's not how you wage a successful war. And if you haven't figured it out yet, we are at war. So do you want to take the risk of having everyone abandon your product Because Americans have been trained to think their dollars have no value, but their vote has all the value in the world. That's the American culture. We have to accept it. Or there's the third option. If you're not selling something, you can go the mutual aid route, right? This is going to take a lot more covert know-how and a lot more time. Right, if you're trying to do the third way, right? Because now we have the political, we've got the economic, and then the third way. And it sounds a lot like uh, fascism, third way fascism, which would be using your ability as a spellcaster to create a very successful mutual aid society. What do you need to have a mutual aid society? Well, you've got to have a pretty good grasp on magic, right? This goes back to ancient times. Mutual aid societies are founded off of a core worldview, right? Freemasons, they believe they go all the way back to Egypt. Do they? Debatable, debatable. If you believe that all ideas create an etheric substance, an etheric substance, then it would be very hard to deny that the Freemasons go all the way back to Egypt because these thought forms that they draw upon 
are the thought forms of pharaohs, kings, throughout all of history. That's 5,000 years of ancestral thought forms being passed from one generation to the next. And if you look at DC, it becomes very hard to deny that they're drawing heavily on these etheric thought form spells. Take the Washington Monument, for example. The Freemasons are a mutual aid society. You'll hear Freemasons say, I joined to learn the secrets of the universe, and I ended up at a fish fry, at a bull roast. Right? Why is that important? Because the secrets of the universe are completely fucking useless without the people to carry them on. This is the great mystery school. The great mystery idea. You can have all of the answers, and you won't have the numbers in place to make any fucking difference at all. So, what you have to do in a mutual aid context, start drilling. Start using your spell ability to get people excited about drilling. Drill, drill, drill. How do we drill? Well, what do you want to accomplish? Do you want to accomplish the creation of an etheric thought form? Do you want to accomplish the uh, total and complete elimination from the state from your life? Do you, do you want to grow your own food? Do you want to defend your own property successful, successfully? Do you want to create beautiful works of art that will influence generations for millennia. These are all things you have to consider when forming a mutual aid society. Very important things. Right? So, you use the energy that you can channel at any time. How do you channel an emotion? Right? How do you channel it? You have to believe it. You have to believe it so much that people can see in your demeanor, in your words, that you believe it. This is the fire that can spread all across nations, all across peoples, anywhere. It takes the ability of knowing how to connect, how to light that fire, right? And when you do that, when you focus that energy, you act as a magnifying glass for that energy, and you bring it down to earth, and you light that fire. That's your goal, right? So figure out what your goals are, because I know a lot of non-voting anarchists out there have the idea that if they just plant, you know, their own garden, if they just, you know, make their own ammo, build their own guns, that the world's going to change around them. But without the thought forms that can pass from one generation to the next you're still digging your own grave. So you have to be able to channel, channel emotions, right? Channel those emotions, put them out there, open yourself up, right? That's what's, that's what's very important about being a leader is being open. And commit to being a leader. 
I know in my own personal dealings, I haven't necessarily been the best leader for, for my uh, mutual aid society. I'm going to try and turn, turn that around. You can try it on your end, right? Whatever you do, do not discount the ability of magic to change the emotions of the people in your group. Identify those threats, right? Understand that you can be fair, you can be wise, you can be all of these things, but it won't matter as long as the right words get the right ears. Something to keep in mind when it comes to election fraud is that it doesn't matter who votes, it matters who counts the votes. In your own life, it doesn't matter what you say. It matters how you say it. These are two very parallel concepts when we think about it. Now, I'm putting out a lot of stuff, right? I'm going to be trying to... Um, Consolidate my own powers as a creator and putting out a whole bunch of memes, putting out a whole bunch of ideas that you can latch your hooks into and tear it apart and use it in your own your own way. You don't have to agree with me. You don't have to utilize the same energies I am. There's lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of infinite trains out there that you can work your way through. Principles of similarity are almost infinite. Almost infinite. So you've got a lot on your plate if you want to make a better world for your children and your children's children. What are you going to do, Western man? Are you going to embrace the magic? Embrace the infuriating, dirty, Magic? Or are you going to go back to this logic? Logic that doesn't seem compelling, that is always three weeks behind the magic. Logic is always three weeks behind the magic. Have you ever noticed that? And by the time the attention spans have uh, shifted again, nobody wants to hear about the logic. Right? What are we going to do about that? Are we going to have the magic of our own, or are we going to wait three weeks until the numbers come out, until the facts come out, till the evidence comes out, and be behind everybody else's attention spans? You see the major disadvantage there? You have to have something inside you that guides you to where you need to be, when you need to be there, because the evidence is never Never going to catch up to the actual events. It's not. You have to be in that place and time so that you can make what you need when you need it. <clears throat> Logic is too slow for that. So, I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. I know I did. I will cast a spell with you next time 
we meet. This is Energy Balls. Enjoy. <laughs>